Uh, did you all have a good Thanksgiving? I'll tell you, we um, usually have such anticipation, excitement for the holidays, and then the relatives show up, and that uh, kind of, I'm just kidding, <laughs> just joking. Uh, you know, it is so good. I was, I'm actually surprised um, this morning, because uh, first service was just so, it was packed, and the second service is, is well-attended as well, and uh, I thought you'd all be kind of like sitting back, you know, filled up, kind of relaxing, bedside Baptist kind of deal. Um, it's good to see everyone here. Um, we have been, uh, we've been looking through uh, the Ten Commandments over the past few weeks. And uh, last week, we were looking at the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And over the past few years, we've gone through the second commandment, having idols, idol worship. So this morning, we're going to go to the third commandment in Exodus chapter 20 in verse 7, which you just heard read so beautifully. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, before we move specifically to this verse, um, let me say that the Bible is very clear that our words should always bring glory to God. Now, I know what I'm going to be describing here is not the third commandment, but I want to kind of lay a foundation here just to say that our words, the words that we use as believers in Jesus Christ represent God. we We are his ambassadors, his representatives. So the way we use our words reflects on God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 29, it tells us, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When we use unwholesome talk, as the Bible calls it, it really ends up showing disrespect for God, for others, others around us, and for ourselves. We, we show disrespect for God and how we use our words. You know, I'm going to say this again throughout this sermon, but, you know, people will talk about the, the law and grace and how, how do these two fit together? And, and sometimes people will, will say, well, we're under grace, we're not under law, and so therefore I can pretty much do whatever I want. And my friends, that is really not the case. As believers in Jesus Christ, the New Testament says over and over again, how much more, though, should we who know Christ. How much more then should we who know Christ live in such a way that it honors God and specifically with our words? How we, how we talk, how we communicate. You know, it's, it's, it's not breaking the third commandment, things I just described here in, in Ephesians and Colossians, but it shows a, a lack of spiritual discipline that we need to have as believers in Jesus Christ. It shows a lack of spiritual discipline. You know, in this area, this was one of the first areas when I became a believer that I needed to work on. And this was the first step, really, in my spiritual development, my spiritual maturity. This, This area of using my words correctly or using unwholesome talk was really the first steps in my spiritual walk to maturity. I, I uh, came to Christ when I was uh, 18 years old, just uh, short, short of my 18th birthday. I was a senior in high school, and I will never forget, I had a friend, her name is uh, Patty, who she lived in the, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom and, in New York, 
and, uh, and there was these courtyard kind of areas where the parking lot was. And Patty lived in the apartments as well, but then she moved away a few years uh, prior to the story, and she came back. And she was sitting there, and I'll never forget, I was leaning up against someone's car. It was always a good thing. People love that when you lean up against their car. And I was leaning up against someone's car, and I was just doing my thing, just talking. And when I was finished talking, I was maybe talking for a minute or so, and Patty said, do you know you curse 17 times in, that, in a minute? And I said, what the, do you care? You know, it's 18, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Running off the mouth. And that was, some, that was an area of my life I needed to work on. So when I, when I came to Christ, that was one that I really focused on. The problem was with me, I, I, I couldn't talk for the first three months I went to church because I, I knew if I opened my mouth, something was going to come out. So everybody in church thought I was really quiet and they thought I was kind of laid back and I was shy. It was just that I was afraid to say anything because, you know, if I opened my mouth, something was going to come out. When you have years of that habit, it's really difficult to break. So I'd work, I'd work on it. I'd, I'd get on the bus with my friend, and I'd say, hey, I only cursed five times before I get on the bus. And he's like, yeah, me too. And we'd go through the whole day. I only cursed nine times the whole day. And we worked and whittled our way down and whittled our way down until the point where I didn't curse anymore. It took me a long time. That was, that was difficult. Some other things, drinking, that kind of stuff, easy to get rid of. But that one, that was tough. That was really tough. But it helped that I tried to discipline myself. To, to grow in that area. Spiritual maturity comes with spiritual discipline. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about this morning in the third commandment. You know, the, the, the third commandment reminds us that God's name is to be treated with respect. His name is to be treated with respect. When we talk about God, we're talking about his character. We're talking about his reputation just can't throw it around and talking about the character of God. You have a relationship with God. You should be in awe of God. You should be just moved by God. And in that way, we need to be careful how we use his name. The third commandment comes first in, in, in the laws here. It comes, it comes in the first half of the laws, which focuses specifically on, on who God has revealed himself to be and, and what it means to honor and, 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 and revere him in our everyday lives. How should I live my life to, in order to honor God? How should I live my life in order to lift him up, in order to praise him? That's the first part of the Ten Commandments. You know, today when we use a name, we use it kind of as a label. It's a label. It tells a person, it tells us who a, what a person's name is, Jeff or Sandy or, or Bob, or it doesn't really matter. It, it, it kind of describes a person's name, tells us who they are. The thought behind a commandment like this is that God's name is more than a label. It's not just a label. If you say, you know, if you use my name any way you want, it's a, you know, it's just a name. But God's name is not just a name. It's not just a label. When you use, when you use it as a label, you don't ever get the idea when we throw out names as labels, we don't get the idea of what a person's character is like. It doesn't give us an idea, a sense of what's important to them. You see, in Hebrew society, uh, many, many of the names had specific meaning. They had, they, had, they had a lot more meaning than we give them today. When you, what you name someone was extremely important. Names were chosen because maybe of a special event or circumstances surrounding the birth of your child or the desire that parents had 
for their children. They, you have a desire that your child's going to be a certain, you know, live a certain way. My son, my son Joshua David is not named Joshua David by accident. I want him, I, I talk to him about his name, Joshua. Who is Joshua and who is David? You know, Joshua, this, this man of God, this great warrior, this, this spiritual leader. And David, a man after God's own heart. I want him to know why we named him what we named him. I would love, my desire would be that Joshua David would live up to his name. A man who loves God with all of his heart. A man after God's own heart. A warrior, a spiritual leader. That's what I desire for, for my son. Our culture, our culture still understands that, that those concepts that they, we do. We kind of throw things around, but we still understand those concepts, especially in business. You know, you, you'll, you'll hear companies say things like, um, you can count on blank for quality. Blank, the name you can trust. And my favorite, with a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, they, our culture understand that, you know, when Toyota was having problems, they spent millions of dollars trying to make sure they keep that name pure. You know, we've had these problems in the past, but we're going to work. You can trust us. You can trust us. You can trust the name Toyota. They say it over and over and over again because they, they don't want to lose that reputation. They don't want to lose that, that name of quality in your minds and your hearts because once they lose that, you have all kinds of problems. A name conveys something that, that affects our attitude. Let me give you an example of like, for example, the car. When I say Yugo, okay, anybody ever, did you ever buy a Yugo? Who, come on, admit it. Who bought a Yugo? I was too young. I would have bought one of like 3,000 bucks or something. Yeah, no one's admitting it. All right, none of you. So I say Yugo, a certain thing comes to mind, you know, trash, you know, breaks down, whatever the case may be. But if I say Lexus, Someone on the way out said, say Ford. You got to say Ford. Ford's a quality car. If I say Ford, who didn't take the stimulus money, good for them. Um, if I say Ford, you have a certain uh, thought goes through your mind or a Lexus or a Mercedes or whatever else. There's, it conveys a certain type of attitude in your mind. It creates an emotional response in some ways when you say certain names. And if, if some of you are thinking, there, oh, that's not really true. I don't know. That's not really true. If that's not really true, then how, 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 why is it so? Why did it take you so long to name your child? Okay, think about this. Why did it take you so long to name your child? You get this book out, you carry it in, you know what I mean? It's in bed with you. Oh, you know, there's boom, the name book. And you go through A, you know, Adam, to go through the whole thing. It took you forever to go through all the names. You know why? Because I, I, was, I was, I don't have to be in your house to know the conversations. Hey, how about Paul? Face, no, no, no. I knew a Paul in sixth grade. He was horrible. Paul, oh, no, I can't, can't name him Paul. Well, how about Pete? Do you think about it? I mean, do you know, remember Pete? Remember Pete Jones? You remember? Oh, yeah, Pete Jones. Oh, how can I forget Pete Jones? My goodness, forget it. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, I can't do it. And you go through all these names, all the girls' names, all the guys' names, until you will the ones that don't have like this negative vibe for you, college or work or when you were thir in third grade or whatever else, and you come up with the name you come up with. There's probably a lot of names you wanted to name your child, but they conjured up some kind of emotion or response to either you or your wife and so, you're kind of going through all these names. Names are important. 
They conjure up certain kinds of emotional responses. Now, now, when God's people heard his name, it meant something to them. It had meaning to them. It, it, it communicated his character. It communicated his attributes. It reminded them of an experience maybe they had with God, their, their history, some event that happened in their lives, that God, what God did for them in the past, that was brought back to them. When, when they talked about God, the people of God would have an emotional response to the name of God. And, and God would, would use his name or names or, 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 or descriptions of himself. And that would re- get people to respond to that. Hundreds of times in the Bible... God reveals himself through, the name, through his name or a title or, again, a description of himself. Hundreds of times we see that. And they all, every one of those names, every one of those descriptions had meaning and value to God's people. They had meaning and value. Yahweh, I am that I am, the self-existent one, right? Jehovah Rapha the God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, the, the, the God who, who, who is there for us, the God who is our provider. Yahweh is our provider. El Shaddai, the God of hosts, the God of the heavenly armies. All of these names you go on and on and on. They meant something to the people of God and his name should mean something to us today. Again, how much more for those of us who know Christ. They didn't have the revelation that we have today. They didn't have all that we have. And it's funny because they didn't have all that we have, but they had a reverence for the name of God. And we, eh, a lot of us just kind of toss it around like, well, no big deal. God expresses himself to his people in his name. And we are told, we are commanded not to misuse it not to misrepresent it, not to use it in an empty or meaningless way. And there are three ways, uh, three ways that, I, that we'll share this, I'll share this morning, three ways that I believe we misuse the name of God. The first way is in a thoughtless way. And most of you know what I'm talking about here. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, just in a thoughtless way. And it doesn't matter how you say it more in our modern times. Oh my God, Right? Or say it fast, oh my God. I mean, it doesn't matter how you say it, it's still wrong. When we misuse God's name. Now, in texting, you know, do you do, you do that with texting? When we use it, you know, O-M-G? Is that oh my gosh or oh my God? Be honest. No one's admitting it. I don't even do that. Right? When you text, if you do it that way, still misusing his name. Now, I'm sure you guys use it as gosh and not God, so you can still text that way. But we have, to, we have to have a reverence for God's name. We, we thoughtlessly just kind of throw his name around. The creator of the universe, the one who loves us, the one who died for us, is disrespected so often in conversations without any thought given to it. Just kind of throwing it around. Uh, it doesn't matter. We have no good reason and no good purpose in using his name, my friends, and that breaks the third commandment. That is misusing the name of the Lord. And we just throw it around thoughtlessly without any reason or meaning behind it at all. The second way we misuse God's name is deliberately. 
We do it deliberately. We misuse God's name to strengthen our position. We do it in, in, in the, the way we make vows or we make promises. We, we try to get credibility by using God's name. Our credibility doesn't seem to be strong enough. We misuse God's name, you know, and they did it back. They did it back then. We do the same thing now, the way we kind of misuse his name to strengthen our position. People will use God's name as a vow or an oath or a promise. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. You don't think that your, your name or your character is strong enough, so you call on God's name and God's character to pretty much back up what you're saying, right? You know, you know what I'm saying. No, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Really? No, really, I swear to God. You know what I'm saying? No, really, I swear to God. See, when you want, it, you want someone to really believe what you're saying, you don't think your character and you don't think that your, your, you know, your, you, your name, your character is strong enough. So you call upon God's name, his character. Oh, no, no, really. No, really, really. I swear to God. And people go, oh, you swear to God. I didn't trust you before. And I'm not being serious too. People, honestly, when someone says to you, looks you right in the face and you're like, whatever, you saw Bigfoot. No, I swear to God. You know what I'm saying? And then you go, oh, maybe they did see Bigfoot something. He saw something because he swore to God. That's what happens. We use God's name. We don't think our own reputation, we don't think our our own name, our own credibility is, is there. So we call on God's name. Make no mistake about it. If you swear to God, if you swear to God, you say, I swear to God, and and, uh, and you, to, to, in order for get people, to get someone to believe you or to trust you, and then you have absolutely no intention of keeping that vow, that promise, or that oath, then, my friends, you are misusing the name of the Lord. You're misusing God's name. If, if you do it in such a way where you know you're not going to really keep that vow or promise, you're misusing God's name. And we still make oaths today. I think, I think we still do this in, in court when you say, um, so help me God. Anybody been in court lately? Did you have to say, so help me God? Do you still have to say it? You do. Okay. You, so you say, so help me God. If you're doing it in a courtroom and you have no intention of breaking your word, that's, that's not breaking the third commandment. You can, you, can make an, you can make an oath. You can say, so help me, God. I, I, will tell, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. You're sincerely going to tell the truth. That's your desire. So when you do it that way, it's not breaking the third commandment. And just like, but just like in the days of Moses, there are some times that people will make these oaths and promises uh, in a meaningful way, and then sometimes they're going to do it in, a, in, a, in misusing the name of God. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, it gives us a good rule of thumb as, as people here today in, in the 21st century. Just a good rule of thumb. thumb. Matthew 5, uh, 37 says, simply let your yes be a yes and your no, no. It says anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Simply let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. If you're in court and, you, and, and they ask you to say, so help me God, you say it. It's not, again, you're not doing this. It's not a sin, not breaking any, any of the commandments. Um, but Matthew basically, in Matthew 5, 37, it's just saying, you know what? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're, that should be binding. What you say should be binding. And so if you say yes, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Don't swear in a stack of Bibles on your grandmother's grave or whatever else. Just say what you need to say, yes 
or no, and that's the end of it. There's no need to tag anything on at the end because as we are followers of Jesus Christ, how much more then should we be telling the truth, be honest, have integrity? So what, what the New Testament is saying is when you say something, you are representing Jesus Christ. You are, you are God's ambassador. So when you say something, just say it. Don't tag anything on the end because what he's saying, what the, uh, uh, anything beyond this comes from the evil one, are people who know in the back of their minds that they're just going to tag this on because they don't, they're not really being honest. And so they have to say something else to get people to, uh, yeah, hey, let's shake on it, you know, with their fingers crossed behind their back. As a believer in Christ, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. The third way we misuse the name of God is uh, by our actions, by our actions, you say, well, that's not words. Yeah, it, it, it's not words, but we can misuse God's name by our actions. The Bible says it, it was more common to misuse God's name by our actions than actually by our words. See, the Bible says, like I said earlier, that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we, that we represent Jesus to the world. Your life, how you live your life is a representation of Jesus Christ to the world, to people at school, to people at work, to people in your neighborhood. I mean, how many times have you heard a non-Christian say to you, um, I thought that person said they were a Christian. They, they, they said that they were a Christian. Now, if you say I'm religious or I go to church every once in a while, I mean, no one cares. But if you say you're a Christian, people know exactly what you're talking about, especially if you say you're born again or whatever. People know exactly what you're talking about, and they hold you to a higher standard in how you live your life, and they should. If you're a follower of Christ, people should hold us to a higher standard because how much more then should we who know Christ be living the way God has called us to live? So by our actions, by our actions, what, that means how we live our lives, my friends, either builds up the kingdom of God or harms the kingdom of God. How you and I live our lives either builds up the kingdom of God or it tears down, it harms the kingdom of God. God is either glorified or he's misrepresented. He's misrepresented. That's why when we use his name and we make vows and we say certain things, we don't want to misrepresent God. In other words, we can dishonor God by what we do. In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 21, it says if you, if you say you're a, you, you follow God, if you're a, you're a person of God, but then you worship idols, you are, you, are, you are dishonoring God's name. You are defiling, it says, God's name. If you call on the name of God, yet worship something else, you are defiling God's name. In Jeremiah chapter 34, verses 15 through 17, it tells us that we, need to, we, that, that we can defame God's name by, by, by not treating people justly. If we are unjust, if we treat people unjustly, it defiles the name of God. You see, uh, Israel said that they were going to release, and, and this is in, in Jeremiah, they were going to release their countrymen from slavery. They had enslaved certain people for certain things, and so they were going to release the people from slavery. And then they did, and, they, and then they went back on their word. And this is what God says to those people who treated their countrymen unjustly. Recently you repented and did what was right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom to his countrymen. You even, listen, you even made a covenant before me in the house that bears my name. But, but now you have, turned, you have turned around and profaned my name. 
Each of you has taken back the male and female slaves that you had set free to go where they wished. You have forced them to become your slaves again. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You have not obeyed me. You have not proclaimed freedom for your fellow countrymen. So now, so I now proclaim freedom for you, declares the Lord. Freedom to fall by the sword, plague and famine. I will make you abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth. When we misuse the name of God, there are consequences. When we flippantly throw around or misuse or use God's name in such a way to make vows and all these kinds of things in such a way that we have no intention of keeping our promises, there are consequences. God is still God. The God of the Old Testament is still God of the New Testament. Jesus Christ is God. He was God before. He was God forever. He was, he, he was in the beginning before all things. There's no God of the Old and God of the New Testament are the same God. And so if we just throw his name around and misuse the name of God, God, God's not going to be pleased with that. He's not pleased with that. And remember what he said, I will not hold him guiltless who misuses my name. See, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us as we, especially now that you begin to understand, because a lot of you have never even heard this before. A lot of you come to Christ recently, you've never even heard this where a lot of you have been Christians for maybe a few years and no one's really sat down. You know, we, we talk about grace and grace, but we don't, we don't really talk through the Ten Commandments and how that applies to our lives now in the 21st century. But again, how much more should we who know Christ be trying to live according to God's word? And so we misuse his name. It has, it's offensive to God. When his ambassadors misrepresent him to the world, it is offensive to God. And that's, again, the Bible says that you and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We wear the name. We wear the name. And when people see you, they should be saying, you, you wear the name well. You wear the name well. When, they, when you say you're a follower of Christ, when you say you're a Christian, your friends around you in school, they should think to themselves, and they may not say it in these words, but you, you wear the name well. You don't misrepresent the God that you worship. When, 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 you, when you speak, I listen. I trust what you say because you wear the name well. We need to honor God with the way we use his name. My friends, our words and our actions are important. They have a profound impact on how this world looks at God. Maybe it shouldn't be that way, okay? Maybe, that's, maybe it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Like you say, man, I don't want to misrepresent God. You know, God is God. And if I, if, I just, if I screw up, I don't want God to be... I understand that, but that's the way it is. Those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, that's just the way it is. I mean, think about it. In the 1980s, remember back in the 1980s, Remember the damage that was done by the televangelists in our country? I mean, they did tremendous damage to the name of God. Now, not all, you know, I don't like, I pick on televangelists sometimes for some of the things they say, but not all people who are on television are bad. There are good men and good women who are on TV every single week or whatever, and they're good folks. They love Jesus Christ with all their hearts, and they're honest and trustworthy. And what they say is true, so it's not like... Everybody, all I'm saying is go back to the 1980s and remember the damage that was done to the name of God and how they behaved. And even more recently, um, and again, I'm going to talk about faith healers. 
I'm not picking on faith healers. I'm not saying that God can't heal. God can do whatever God wants to do. God is awesome. God can do and choose to do and not to do whatever he chooses. I have no issue whatsoever that God is a God that heals today. Many of you in this room have been healed by God of things like cancer. So I have watched God do miraculous things. God can heal anyone in this room of anything he chooses to heal them of. So no question there. But when, when you have 2020 following someone around who has got something in their ear and their wife is talking to everybody and trying to get all this information, then feeding her husband information, okay, and there's 2020 people, they pick it up on their, their receivers and they, they see what's going on. That mis, that, that's misrepresenting God. That's, that, that is defiling the name of God. We need to be careful. Now, I could pick on those folks, but, you know, how about me? How do, how do I do that? How do I misrepresent God? How about you at work? How, how do you misrepresent God at work or in school? You know, you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but how do you live your life when you're outside of this building or outside of these, you know, of this campus? Do you live your life in such a way that, that you honor God and not misrepresent God? I mean, it's easy to pick on the televangelists or whoever else, but the reality is we need to bring it home. How are we living our lives in such a way that we are not misrepresenting God, that we're honoring and glorifying God in our lives? When you claim to be a Christian and then speak and act in a way that is not Christ-like, my friends, it reflects on Jesus Christ. And how much more should we who know Christ live in such a way that he is honored and glorified? that he is lifted up, that he is praised. Because there's this, there's, it's a theological kind of thing going on, but you have law and you have grace and people throw out the law and say, yeah, no, 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 I'm not under law, which is true. You're not under law, you're under grace. Very, very true. But why is it that those who sometimes claim to be under grace by the grace of God love to go right along the edge on almost everything they do? They're like, oh, I can do this and I can do almost anything. I can, <laughs> whoa, you know what I mean? Let's live on the edge. Let's push it to its limit because we're under grace. We're not under law. And I come back to how much more should they who know Christ be living godly and holy lives. Grace, my friends, leads you to the cross. Grace leads to the cross. Grace leads to holiness and sacrifice and spiritual discipline. Grace does not lead you to tiptoe along the edge to see what you can get away with. Well, is this well, is that wrong? Is it people love to ask questions about what's no, is that really wrong? It's let's find as much gray as we possibly can so we can live in the gray. That's not what God intended for grace. That's not God's desire. His people, we who know, who have the, the knowledge that, that G, of Jesus Christ should be living in such a way that our heart's desire is to be righteous and holy. Now, I didn't say legalistic. I am not a legalistic person. I don't want to be the pastor of a legalistic church. I want grace. I want forgiveness. I want love. I want those things to abound all around us. But I also want holiness to abound and righteousness. And the problem with the 21st century church in a lot of ways is that we, 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 we take grace and we misrepresent it and we, we use it in such a way that we compromise the word of God. We compromise. And that's what we need to be careful of doing, not compromising. We can't compromise. You are under grace. 
You have the grace of God. The blood of Christ covers you. And let me, let me close by saying this. I know many of you have been probably using his name the wrong way, misrepresent him, saying, I swear to God in the wrong way and all those kinds of things. And you're not even really thinking about it. It's not even, in many cases, you're not really being deliberate in how you're doing this. All I want to encourage you to do this morning is to think about it and try to break the habit. Because for a lot of us, for a, I, don't do it, I don't do it right now, but for a lot of folks, it's just a habit that needs to be broken. It's just a habit. So I don't want to beat up on everyone this morning. I don't want anybody walking out feeling, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm feeling condemned or feeling uh, guilty. Or Put that stuff aside. You don't need to feel condemned or guilty or ashamed or any of that kind of thing. All we're doing this morning is saying, hey, we're pointing this out, third commandment, what does it mean? Okay, now that you know, now that you're more knowledgeable and you understand, now you can try to break the habit. So for some of you, you say, oh my God, or you say Jesus Christ in the wrong way. It's just become a habit, okay? Deep breath. You're covered by the blood of Christ. You, you are under law. You are not, you're, all, you're under grace. You are not under law. So you're covered by the blood of Christ, okay? Here's, here, I mean, just a suggestion. Maybe if you do it in your family, maybe you put a little jar. We've done this, we did this a few years ago. You put a little jar out there, and every time you do it, you, you put a quarter or put a dollar in there this time. It's inflation. Put a dollar in there, okay? And that'll break the habit really, really quick because your kids will pick up every time you, you're like, oh, oh my God. And you, oh, dollar, dollar. You'll be, how about you do this? And then your kids will really keep it to it. You put the dollar in there and then you give the kids the money at the end of the, you know, by the time your habits are, they'll be encouraging you. They'll be just misbehaving. So you'll go, oh my, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just trying to break the habit. That's all. Just try to break the habit. Think it through when you make an oath, you know, I swear to God, those kinds of things. Just try to break those habits. And remember something. This is important. This is so important. Jesus Christ died for us, okay? We are under grace. His blood covers us. When God sees us, he sees his son. So God is not waiting to get you, okay? He knows your heart. He knows it's something you don't want to do. So just work on it. Work on it. And when you do make a mistake, here's the great thing about being a believer. This is the great thing about grace. You ask for forgiveness. And guess what? You're forgiven and you move on. Any condemnation, any shame, any guilt, all those kinds of things after you ask for forgiveness that come around, you know what? That's not of God. Those are not, that's not God heaping that on you. The Holy Spirit convicts you when you do it. When you're convicted, you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven, and you move on. That's the great thing about the grace of Christ in our lives. So, you, we, we, everyone does it in different ways. Let's try to break the habit of breaking the third commandment. That'll help you in your spiritual discipline. It'll help you become more like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you will grow in your relationship with Christ and will also help you as you're around other people. They will see you as a changed person and that will lead them into a closer relationship with Christ themselves. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we can spend together. And Lord, we thank you just for the opportunity to be here in your presence and to talk about these things. Lord God, we have freedom in Jesus Christ and we rejoice in that. We have your grace that covers us. Your Holy Spirit lives in us. Lord God, we are so excited that through your son, Jesus Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can enter into your presence and speak your name, speak to you. Father, we don't want to take that lightly.
We want to understand when we use your name, it means something. It's your character. It's your attributes. We want to show reverence, Lord God, when we're, when we're speaking of you so that people around us will know that we're serious about our faith. So Father, I pray for every single person in this room. Lord God, I say a prayer over each one. I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to break this habit if we have it. That you'd help us to grow in our relationship with you. And that as we break this habit, Lord God, we would move on and continue to look at the way you call us to live to understand it, Lord, and to live it out. But may this be our first step in becoming more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.